Welcome to episode 102 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and today, once again, I am joined by Philip Slavin. He's back after his three-week break from the podcast to uh, take care of his wife and his new daughter. Glad to have you back, Philip. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, so just be aware, if you hear strange noises in the background, yeah, she's in the room with me. So All right. Doing a little uh, dad work, but you still got still to gotta get the podcast in. I respect it. Oh, you know, I'm just teaching her the ropes of podcasting early. Yeah, you might, might as well get, get be the, become the first like five year old to have a successful podcast. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Oh, come on. There's like five year olds with successful YouTube channels. Like that's fair. Yeah, nothing. Podcasting's a new thing now, so it'd be kind of cool. But uh, um, it is good to have you back. I know, I, and I apologize to all of our uh, our listeners out there that I haven't gotten more content up. And recently, of course, right as Philip leaves, things got crazy for me academically, and you know the job search and all that kind of stuff, and it all caught up with me as well. So we're, uh, but hopefully now that things have kind of calmed down a little bit over the last couple of weeks, then I, we will be able to continue to do two episodes a week here. I, I'll. Uh... I will promise to uh, to be here as often as I can. All right, perfect. You know, we'll, we'll we'll all get there, and if nothing else, I have plenty of guests I can bring on as well, so we can still get more than one voice on here for sure. But moving on, so this we're recording on Sunday, and if you followed Oklahoma State Twitter and Oklahoma State Athletics today, you know that the uh, wrestling duel between number two Oklahoma State, number three Iowa, was this afternoon, and Oklahoma State won twenty-seven to twelve. Uh, in a yeah. in a blowout, uh, you know, in a blowout fashion, but it was a sellout crowd as well in Gallagher. But they actually got thirteen thousand eight hundred eleven people there for that, and to be in the crowd, it was one of the best atmospheres I've been around as a student at Oklahoma State. It was incredible, you know, the the whole thing, and you know, it, there was a little bit of a lull there for a little while where Oklahoma State was like, oh crap, and we, you know, thought I was going to come back, but then the seniors came in toward the heavyweights. Found ways to win their the last four matches there, including a pin by Chandler Rogers, and that did it. And Oklahoma State finished uh, this the dual season undefeated heading into uh, conference the conference tournament here in a couple weeks. And I saw I think it was Brandon put this in our Slack chat that this is Oklahoma State's forty sixth undefeated season in one hundred and two years. Yeah, it's um look the it's weird it, football and basketball. You know your rivalries tend to be in state, or or conference rivalries that have existed for a hundred years, but in the smaller schools, the baseball, the wrestling, the gymnastics, that kind of stuff, um, it really feels like the rivalries. Yes, you have like OSU OU is a rivalry, but OU is not. Oh, the OSU wants to beat them, but I don't know that that is the true rivalry kind of like OU Texas is the rivalry in football more than OU OSU is OU Iowa I think is a bigger rivalry for OSU wrestling than OSU OU is um so getting this win especially over a an Iowa team that came in really confident ranked number three in the nation and um, with the douchiest college wrestler I think I've ever seen um, and to see OSU win the way it did in very exciting but not without drama drama fashion um, I was man it's kind of it's kind of cool I got yeah. to watch a little bit of it online I uh, followed most of it on Twitter I'll admit I was watching baseball on the YouTube because I could you know it's free right um, yeah but it thanks. was Come on, that's a good win. And, uh, and it props was such a good win. The fan base for being there, like absolutely, it does go to show that when when there is a 
big time game or match in Stillwater, whatever it is, fans will show up. I always go back to there was a um, an Elite Eight soccer match for women's soccer. It was OSU and Notre Dame come to town, and they had to bring in bleachers. It was absolutely packed for women's soccer. And that's not a knock on women's soccer. That's just, you know, most people don't care about women's soccer. When OSU is in a, in a big-time match and OSU does a good job of promoting it, Oklahoma State fans will show up. Oh, no doubt. It, it was a... It was a great atmosphere, and I, you know, kind of had a feeling it was going to be one of those crowded duels, and I kind of had a feeling it would be all season because just Oklahoma State and Iowa, they're in the top five consistently every year, and we knew it was going to be a top five matchup barring any upset loss. Neither team came in with a loss, so they stay in the top five all season. Obviously, Penn State's number one, and they're the clear number one in the country. But I I got there about 12.45 for the 2 o'clock duel, and the 200s were already pretty well packed, you know, other than the people that had set seats. The rest was all general admission. And I saw normally they have the curtain up uh, for, you know, about, you know, 75% of the 300s are normally blocked off for duels. But for this one, they had it all blocked off except for one side of Gallagher up in the 300s. It was like 300 to 306, something like that. And then with about 40 minutes left until the duel, I look up and there was, they had moved it up just a little bit. So there was about 10 to 15 rows of, of people uh, in the three, in that section of the 300s. And I'm thinking, okay, we're about to see, you know, probably right north of 10,000. That'll be awesome. I was thinking, you know, be 8,500, 9,000, something like that. And then by the time the duel started, I look up and the entire 300s are packed and they announced a sellout. I think it was after the 149, uh, match and to see a sellout crowd for wrestling. Again, this is the second time that I've gotten to see that. It's, it's an incredible atmosphere. And I'll say when, Nick Piccinini started off the match by pinning Spencer Lee. Uh, that was the loudest I'd ever heard Gallagher erupt. And it was one of the most sudden things. And, you know, you just didn't expect it. He got the takedown and then immediately flips Lee onto his back. And the crowd, everyone just jumps up all at once, hands in the air, and everyone starts losing their mind. And it was it was the loudest I had ever heard Gallagher basketball, wrestling, I, whatever. It was... It was just something I will never forget. And I think I've probably retweeted the video about four times because it just, it gives you chills. And when Gallagher erupts like that in any sport, it's one of those things that just sends chills down your spine. And it was awesome. And then to, right after that, to see Dayton Fix wrestle Austin DeSanto, I'll, I'll call a spade a spade. He's a punk. And to, to watch Fix absolutely dominate him for seven minutes was the best thing I've ever seen. Fix wrestled the entire third period in the top position and Fix didn't let him up. And it was just one of the, you know, the just a showing of just pure domination that it shows how good Dayton Fix is and Austin DeSanto is not as good as Dayton Fix. Uh, so, sorry. There, you know, it would have been really disappointing if OSU had won this and Dayton Fix had lost. Like, if let's say OSU wanted every weight except that one like it wouldn't have felt as good of a like as good of a win as it did with fix winning yeah uh, it, it that made it that much sweeter to watch Dayton fix beat Austin DeSanto because we had seen for weeks the kind of the antics that DeSanto brought to the the mat and the, it's just very different styles of how they went about their craft and to watch Fix just very soundly beat him in that way just made it that much better. 
And then right after that, Oklahoma State lost three consecutive matches at 141, 149, 157. And, or at, uh, it was a 149, 157, 165. Including a pin at 165. Alex Marinelli was the number two wrestler in the country at that class. And, and it's 12-12 at that point. You're thinking, oh man, you know, what, what, are, what's about to happen here? Chandler Rogers walks out and does what he does and he pinned the guy in the third period and 18-12 Oklahoma State. And at that point, we just knew it was over. Win. Um, it's a big win. It's a great win. Um, but OSU wrestling is Alabama football. Um, this is really nice and really good. We've been here before. Now the question is, can they end Penn State's streak of just dominating the sport and finally get another uh, national championship to add to the add to the collection? Yeah, I'll say just from watching the little bit I have, and I think Brandon Kane is probably a better uh, judge of this than I am, but just from my perspective – this is a team that I think they're they're going to see multiple guys that are going to do really well in nationals. I think Nick Piccinini is going to do well. Obviously, Dayton Fix. I think Caden Goodfeller can make a run at 149. I think he's good enough. He wrestled a great match today, but just fell a little bit short. And then I think maybe Preston Weigel as well, if he's 100%. I think he's a guy at 197 that can make some noise. And then Derek White at the heavyweight. Uh, he's won 23 consecutive matches, including today against uh, Steven Stoll. So they, those are some guys that I think are going to be at least in the running for a national title. I don't think they're going to get the team title this year just because there's so much. They've had so many injuries at some of those middle weights, like 149, 157, 165, 174. They've had so many guys get hurt. I just don't know if there's enough consistency there uh, with the guys that even the guys that they've thrown in uh, to wrestle at those weights have done really well, but I just don't think they're ready for that national stage yet. They're going to obviously win the big 12 again. They're going to have multiple guys win the conference at that weight class but I just don't think it's this year. I think next year there's going to be a better opportunity for that. Just let's just let it happen. So, yeah. You know, if they, if they, now they find a way to mess around and, and they find a way to, to win it this year, obviously I will eat my words, but I, cause I only know so much about wrestling, but you know, it just from what I've seen, at least at the middleweights that I, th- I think that's might be the problem for Oklahoma state when it gets to team scores and bonus points. Uh, at those, you know, at the national tournament. Now, I think they're going to have multiple All-Americans again. Uh, they always do. They usually have five or six guys that are in that. But I just don't know if they're going to be able to put it together this year. I think next year, is, I think, is going to be the year I think they can make a run at Penn State for that title. Yeah. All right, so let's, move on. Yeah, so let's move on to a little bit of baseball here. Um, you know, obviously, they took, they took two out of three from Wright State. and lost today 5-4, uh, dominated on uh, – on Saturday, 17 to five, five home runs. But when the wind's blowing out 25 miles an hour, I was there. Uh, you're going to see a lot of, a lot of runs scored, a lot of home runs. And then they won on, uh, on Friday, I believe it was four to one or five to one. Jensen Elliott threw a great game that day as well. So we're seeing, we've seen some things that, you know, this team is going to be able to hit. At least we've, we've seen that. Uh, the pitching is starting to get there. At least we know with Jensen and with Mitchell Stone, we have two guys on Friday and Sunday, uh, that are going to be consistent starters and are going to be consistent, solid pitchers for this team. Uh, the Saturday is a little bit up in question. Logan Gregg has struggled in his first two starts, but you know, so I imagine we'll probably see someone else this Saturday against Iowa just to maybe see you know see what someone else can do. Uh, what, what were some of your thoughts, Philip? I, I have a few here, but not you know not too much. It's kind of hard to tell early on in the season what we're really going to see in conference play because we really see kind of two Oklahoma State teams from what we see in conference play versus non conference play. I mean, I made the joke on Twitter that they should have saved some of Saturday's offense for Sunday. No and, kidding. Um, it looks like I was right. 
So we talked about this a little bit off air. And look, I'm, I follow football and basketball far more than I follow baseball. Um, I followed OSU baseball fairly closely ever since Josh Holiday got there. Now, I say follow. I mean, I, I follow how they do and what they do. I, I can't break down baseball statistics in any way, shape, or form. I'm not what you would call a baseball fan. But I, I have noticed one thing that drives me a little nuts. It's that, A, OSU always seems to start the year poorly. And they do tend to rack up a good number of what I would say are kind of dumb losses. Losing a game at UT Rio Grande Valley, losing a game to Wright State. Like these are those RPI killing losses that, yeah, they're probably gonna make they're still gonna make a regional, they're still gonna make the postseason. They're they're gonna finish uh, near the top of the Big Twelve. They're gonna have a good season. It's just these losses just confound me. You should be sweeping the right states, not winning it two to one. Like you win, you beat Iowa two one, you beat TCU two one, Texas two one. You don't go two one against Wright State. Like these just the best teams in the country, the ones that are consistently on top, sweep right states. They don't piddle around and, and lose one. And I, I I realize baseball is funky and you you know, it's a long season, you lose games you shouldn't, blah 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 blah. I get all that. And maybe it's a massive overreaction. But it just feels like I see this a lot with, with OSU. Um and I and I say that with keeping in mind that they get ORU on Tuesday, which I'm going to go ahead and claim as a loss. And I'm not saying that to be um, pessimistic or grumpy, uh, just to point out that Josh Holiday is 3-10 and 10 against ORU since he got to Stillwater. So the odds are kind of in my favor of being right. Yeah, and I, unlike Philip, I follow baseball religiously, uh, so I I I can speak you know on this as well. But baseball is just a very fluky sport in general. You see it in the majors, you see it in the minors, whatever. You know, teams lose games they shouldn't. You know, one bad bounce one way can change a game. One you know one ball or strike can change a game. So it's very you know it's one of those that you know it's going to swing back in Oklahoma State's way. Whatever happened today against Wright State, unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the game because I was at the duel. But I, I saw the final score. You know, it is kind of one of those losses that is frustrating. But at the end of the day, I don't take too much, you know, with it because I know how fluky the sport can be and that I think it's going to come back in Oklahoma State's favor at some point because that's just the way the game works out. But I will say, you know, it is kind of – it is a weird thing to kind of see some of these losses that we do see from Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State's a consistently solid program. But like you said, Vanderbilt doesn't lose these types of games. LSU doesn't lose those types of games. Texas Tech really doesn't either. You know, Oregon State, North Carolina, you know, Florida, they, they don't they don't lose those types of games that Oklahoma State sometimes does. But what we also see is a team that kind of figures things that whatever wasn't working in non-conference play, they find a way to make work in conference play. And when it gets to the Big 12, it's like a just a switch goes off and this team just turns a corner and they find ways to win games that they weren't winning earlier in the season against lesser opponents. You know, the pitching starts to figure, you know, figure things out. Some guys emerge in the lineup. You know, maybe a guy that wasn't getting time early in the season is getting those innings or is getting those plate appearances and, you know, things start to work. And I think a lot of what we see from Oklahoma State in non-conference play is just working out the kinks and trying to see who's going to work and who's not. And we're going to see a lot of pitchers to see who he's going to use in that bullpen, who he's going to use as that Saturday starter, who he wants, you know, in the lineup day in, day out. And I think we're going to see a different team here in the next few weeks as they played now, you know, five or six games on the season, we're going to see a little bit of a different team moving forward. 
and not necessarily in a bad way, but I think we're just going to start seeing a little bit more from this team as time goes on. It's early. They're five and two. Um, there's a lot of baseball to be played, and I understand that. And they've got some good opportunities. You know, we've got ORU on uh, on Tuesday. They got a, th- a three game series against Iowa. Um, they're heading out to LA to face USC, UCLA, and Michigan um, at the beginning of March. Those are, you know, UCLA is really good this year. That's some. That's an opportunity for some good wins. I would just like when we get these series against the right states in the UT Rio Grande Valley. They've got a they've got a three game series against uh, Southeastern Louisiana. Those are just like that's the, those are the series you need to sweep. Like right, bad. You said it. Like Vanderbilt doesn't get as many bad losses, and I understand that the Vanderbilts and the LSU's and the Floridas they have a they have more depth of talent than OSU does. Period. I, I, don't, I don't. That's not a knock on the guys at OSU. OSU's got some good ball players. Period. Um, they just don't. I, I'm ready to see OSU under Josh Holiday take that next step, um, because I think he's good. And I, and I really like this team, and I like watching OSU baseball, and I like following OSU baseball. I don't care that much for baseball, but I like OSU baseball. Part of that's I'm an OSU fan. I'm just I'm ready to see Holiday take that next step and the program take that next step where they're not losing these kinds of games, especially early in the season. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that the new stadium can help bring that about. Uh, but we'll just – until then um, – and just uh, to see what they can do moving forward. Yeah, I think we're going to see a lot. And and I think it was uh, Trey that when he was on here and we talked about things uh, last week, last Sunday, you know, talking about the Oklahoma State team and what he was going to see. He said this team was going to hit, and we have seen that so far this year, and especially with the power. Uh, there was They hit five home runs that game on Saturday. Like I said, the wind was blowing out quite a bit, but – those balls that they hit, uh, they would have gone out with no wind. Uh, Carson McCusker is going to be a consistent guy in this lineup. You know, Colin Simpson hasn't necessarily found that power stroke quite yet, but he's going to get there as well. He hit one of the hardest ground balls I have ever seen in my life on Saturday. Hit it quick, two hopper to the shortstop or to the second baseman. They had him shifted a little bit, and he probably hit that thing about 105 miles an hour off the bat, and it hit off the heel of the the glove of the second baseman and kept rolling into the outfield and got all the way to the wall. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. The, the outfielder misplayed it, but the fact that that thing was still rolling as hard as it was tells you how hard he hits the ball when he makes contact. And then, obviously, Trevor Boone, uh, Christian Funk, and then uh, Andrew Garcia is another guy that, you know, they all hit home runs. And a cr- Christian Funk hit two absolute missiles, one to dead center and one that probably would have gone on to Duck Street if the wind was blowing out a little bit more to right. Like It, w- it was ridiculous. So these guys are going to hit, and they're going to consistently find ways to get on base. Now the pitching needs to catch up a little bit. Jensen Elliott's been great, and I think he's going to continue to get better as he comes back from Tommy John surgery. Mitchell Stone missed most of last season you know, after a couple starts, but he's you know a 6'9 lefty, a uh, little bit of a funky delivery, and you know that, that's just an intimidating presence on the mound. CJ Varela's back in the bullpen. Uh, Joe Liner, Ben Lieber, those are a bunch of guys that – uh, Josh Holley, Rob Walton can rely on to give you consistent innings out of the bullpen. You know, with these starters, I think finding us now finding a consistent Saturday starter. You know, it, unless Logan Gregg kind of figures things out this week, I think we're going to see some different stuff. And I think I think they're going to start throwing some new guys out there, especially on Saturday, just to maybe see if something else sticks or they just mix up the rotation a little bit. Regardless, Elliot and Stone are going to be two guys that we're going to see consistently moving forward. I'm just looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. I, yeah, I, baseball I, season's I mean always sound, great. I don't mean to sound negative. I just, it's more of an overall kind of, you know, I hate losing. I understand like that. Yeah. So I um, 
we will uh, break the uh, the ORU streak and start pushing that OSU's favor on Tuesday. Um, look forward to watching the the Iowa games on on YouTube this weekend. It should be yeah. um should be fun. At least it's more fun to watch that. We don't have to talk. Do we need to talk basketball? Do we need to talk? Do we I want to? Talk I, I really I mean, don't. I, I really watched. I watched a bit of the Kansas State game, and then did myself a favor and turned it off. Um, I know that's not very OSU fan of me, um, but since I just I didn't I didn't feel like doing that myself. No, I, I understand. I, 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 you know, we like enough pain because we're Oklahoma State fans, and we watch some games we shouldn't. But I was at the, uh, I was at the baseball game on Saturday. Beautiful weather, and I was like, I'll, I'll stick around till the, you know, fourth or fifth inning, and then I'll come back catch the second half of the basketball game. And when I saw the under sixteen timeout, and saw we hadn't scored yet, and then get to the under twelve, and we had six points, I went, I'm not going to be in a hurry to get back to watch this game. So, admittedly, I did not watch it. Um, and again, that may not be the great, the greatest thing for someone that talks about you know sports a couple times a week on a podcast. However, I don't feel bad for not watching it because we lost by thirty nine, and I don't know how much positive we can really take away from that game. I know we tr- I know we talked about trying to find some positive things to talk about with this team, obviously with you know kind of the way the season has gone. But I, I don't even want to talk about it to be completely honest with you. This season is what it is. It's almost over. There's five, maybe six games left, four games in the regular season, Big 12 championship. Um, and then we can just kind of be done with this season, which I think we're all ready for. Um, I think they still – I do think they can have another win. They get Kansas at home, and Kansas is – what did we say? Two and six on the road this season. They're not good on the road. Um, and you get West Virginia at, at home. West Virginia is bad. So probably one win in there. Maybe maybe at least a competitive game against Kansas. I think, um, yeah, like I, I'm re- this season just needs to – I'm ready to focus purely on, uh, on baseball and uh, spring football. Yes, absolutely. And, you know. uh, hey. and, and watch March Madness and just enjoy it for what it is and not have – you know, because once your season's done, it's just enjoying – the best time of the year other than, you know, like Christmas and St. Patrick's Day, which St. Patrick's Day happens to usually fall around the tournament, which is why it's the greatest. The opening weekend is like the greatest weekend in sports. Oh, I'm so Sorry, excited for it. No, I'm so excited you know. for NCAA tournament. Um, yeah, it'll be fun, you know, and it's one of those things that and I, I, I always kind of get excited when Kansas comes here because Bill Self loves giving wins to his alma mater. So maybe we'll see something on uh, – on Saturday, you know, Kansas is kind of riding a little bit low right now. So maybe maybe Oklahoma State's catching up at the right time, even though the season has not gone well. Maybe we can find a way to mess around and win a game, just like we did against TCU the other night. And then West Virginia. So at least, you know, I think we'll see at least one win here in the next three or four. And, you know, we can hang our hat on that and then just kind of forget about this year and move on. And we can hope that next year is better. Oh, I mean, you'd think it would be. but Yeah, we, we can hope, right? <laughs> hey, Baseball season, kids. It's baseball season. It is baseball season, and that makes me a happy human being. I can tell you that right now. I watched some spring training baseball all weekend, and it's been – it just feels good to be watching baseball again. And now I just need to know where the heck Bryce Harper's going, and that'll just end the offseason for me, and we'll call it good. Phillies. I, yeah, uh, by the time this podcast goes out, he might end, he might have signed with the Phillies by then. But I don't even know. I don't like Phillies. Yeah. <laughs> I, see, I've been thinking that most of the offseason, but then again, I just <laughs> – 
if it's held out this long, then I don't know. I, but then again, you know, Manny Machado signed for three hundred million with the Padres. I I kind of had a feeling about that one, but I have a feeling Bryce Harper is going to uh, just sign for like three hundred and five or three ten, just kind of turn into a pissing contest a little bit, just to you know, just kind of give it just that little extra bit, you know. Yeah. But, you know, either way, it's it's a good time of year. Hopefully the weather, you know, starts to heat up a little bit more. Because even though it's going to be like 30 degrees next weekend, it's going to be awesome. Um, I'm ready. I'm ready for warm weather. I'm ready for baseball. I'm ready for the NCAA tournament. Like, everything's kind of turning up right now. You have any um, – Yeah. You got any final thoughts here? Yeah, I got to go the, the – you know – Check on the baby. Yeah, we heard we heard the baby in here a little bit. She was she was chiming in on the wrestling duel. That we'll go with that, right? Yeah, she was very excited. She was very thrilled to discuss Oklahoma wrestling. Yeah, the, and, I'll, and I'm going to leave that part in there because that, that did kind of make me laugh a little bit as I was trying to talk. And I'm like, it's such a great thought, and then the baby's talking. And I'm like, I need to keep my train of thought here. <laughs> but uh, my my she final thought, it. yeah, my final thought. Uh, one one thing I was trying to think of before, uh, well. Uh, Pippa was kind of chiming in there a little bit. So Spencer Lee, the guy that uh, Nick Piccinini pinned at 125 uh, this afternoon, he hadn't been pinned since he was in a 9- and 10-year-old tournament in 2009. And Piccinini got him today. (laughs) Wow. Some guy went down a serious rabbit hole. And found some bracket from some nine and ten year old tournament that he was in at the seventy pound weight class. That was the last time Spencer Lee had been pinned until today. That's impressive. It's impressive. To, to the guy that found that bracket, I salute you because that just made the day even sweeter. Uh, that's all I have here. Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? Follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke OXTA OX. You can follow me at OKTXAR Poke. It's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. You can also follow my show, the 1012 Podcast. It's T E N, the number 12, the word podcast. Um, we have Patrick Mayhorn from Land Grant Gauntlet on this week to break down the Sean Gleason hire. Um, if you want to be really excited about Sean Gleason, what he's going to bring to Stillwater, and why the offense might will probably be better next season. Um, you're gonna want to listen. It's really good. I found myself smiling a lot while he was talking. Yeah, I remember feeling the same way when I listened to what Dan Casey had to say a couple weeks ago about Sean Gleason. I'm so excited for the offense that he's gonna bring. Uh, the, uh, and also, I'm I'm keeping your little flub of your Twitter handle in because that that made me laugh. Uh, baby brain, man, baby brain. <laughs> I understand. You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, stay locked on the site, and we will have some more content up for you later this week. Have a good one, everybody.